Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your hosts, Rob Clark. With us as always, Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing just wonderful. Thank you, Rob, for asking, and I hope you're having a great day. Having a great day. We're halfway through the week, so that, that makes it a little bit better anyway. You know, when, when you're like me and you work from home, it makes no difference. But <laughs> you have to report to work, and I understand. So. Well, for me, it's more because, you know, uh, last week, we, my wife and I were supposed to take a little weekend trip, and it wasn't able to happen, so it got pushed to this week. So both of us are actually looking forward to that. So a uh, little, little something to look forward to, so I'm ready for this week to kind of get to the end of it. Well, good luck. Good luck with your trip this week. Yeah, it should be fun. Hey, we're going to jump into a topic today that, you know, some people might jump on and be ready to listen to and go, okay, I'm ready to get some new ideas here. And uh, some people may look at the topic and go, what are you talking about? Come on, I know what I'm doing. So the topic for today's podcast is how to train your employees. And I, I think this is a topic I think a lot of, not just moving companies, but a lot of companies miss the mark on. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to dive in, and, and I know you're going to have some, you know, school of hard knocks experience that you're going to share with us, and, and uh, just some things that we can kind of talk about and work through and see, see kind of what you would recommend for everybody. Sounds great. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. So tell me, Ed, how do you think most people, most companies, how do they train their employees? Well, before I give you that answer, I'd like to give you an example, and then I'll give you how I think most uh, training occurs in our country. I really believe this. Okay. It cuts across It cuts across all industries. I belong to a very high-end, exclusive workout facility here in Madison, Mississippi, and I go there every day, and I tease everybody, especially the older people. <laughs> And the reason I'm qualifying by telling you that is I stick my big nose in everybody's business. That's just who I am. I like to poke my finger in everybody's eyes. I don't know why. Maybe I need attention. Anyhow, I was standing at my locker, which is on the actual exercise facility floor. And there was a newbie, a new employee that was being trained by my personal trainer on how to operate the combination locks on the lockers. And he said, first you open up the door, you put your items in, you close the door, you turn the combination that you want, and then you turn this twist knob, and then you back it out and turn it to uh, random numbers, and that's how you operate the lock. And then if they accidentally can't open their locker, you take this key and you turn it to the left, not to the right, to the left. And you got to spin it around, spin it around to zero, 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 zero. And then it tells you where the combination is. And then you open up the, you turn it again and you open up the locker. And then he asks this poor newbie employee, do you get it? And the person said, yes. And I went right next to me. He did that with her. And I said, please. Stop right there. You are so typical of how we train somebody in our country. He said, excuse me? I said, hey, Lenny, it's me, Ed Katz, you know, your most important client. You know, he knew who I was. He was, <laughs> he was jazzing me, right? So anyhow, I said, asking an employee 
do you understand it's a waste of oxygen why nobody wants to feel stupid nobody wants you to think they're dumb so when you say, oh do you understand yeah i said i guarantee you unless she is like 160 iq or knew this beforehand she doesn't know how to do what you just did oh well she would have said so and she's standing right there like we're talking like she's not even in the room right and I didn't want to embarrass her. And I said, had you taken my seminar on office moving, you would have learned what I believe is the best way to teach and train someone. But you, you don't just overwhelm them with all these different steps and then say, do you get it? Just asking them, do you understand? Most of the time, people are going to say yes. So I believe in my heart, that's how we train that, that was going to be my response. The, the new hire isn't going to say, no, I don't get it on their first day. Right, right. Yeah. You know, you hire, you hire a new salesperson and you teach them how to estimate and he goes, shadows the salesperson who's, you know, been at the company for 15 years. And, you know, the, 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 that person teaches the new salesperson how to estimate. And he's, here's an equipment load sheet. And here's the equipment you put on the job when you request equipment you know, do your move. You get it? Yeah. And that's why I think we have the chaos. One of the reasons anyhow in our industry. And, and I'm, I'm, I just never forget my brother, my older brother, I hope you're listening, Joel, had absolutely no business ever teaching anybody anything about anything. I, I just the worst teacher in the world. Love you dearly, brother Joel. But he had a. He came back from Germany with an Austin Healey Sprite, a four-speed on the floor, 1962. I know I'm old, but anyhow, beautiful car. And he taught me. He was going to teach me how to use a stick shift. And he said, "Okay, you push the clutch in. You put it in first gear. You ease out on the clutch. You give it gas. And then when you get the RPMs up to whatever it was, you then push your clutch in again. You put it into second. You let the clutch out." You give it more gas at the same time. And then third gear, fourth gear. He said, you get it? And I didn't really say anything. I, I, I said, I, I guess so. Well, we need, when I got behind the wheel and I tried that, I nearly spit his gears or his transmission or whatever it was out on the street because you could hear grinding noise. Well, <laughs> that was terrible. And he, he yelled at me, and I, I didn't like that. He yelled at me that I was stupid. And that I had no business driving his car. And I, I never did learn how to drive a stick shift from his teaching training experience. I mean, it really terrified me. Interestingly enough, I ultimately learned how to, this is going way back. We didn't have automatic transmissions when I started Peachtree Movers. You had uh, trucks that had five-speed transmissions with what's called a two-speed rear end. Two-speed rear end, five uh, five speed, uh, five gears with a clutch. And um, I had a real professional truck driver teach me how to drive. And you know what he did? He taught me that there was only one gear in that truck and it was first gear. That's all he never tell me. He didn't say there's five gears and there's a two speed rear end. He taught me there was just one gear. And I spent maybe 15 or 20 minutes with, under his training just to master first gear. And finally, when he felt I really mastered first gear by, you know, starting from 
zero and going into first gear and giving it gas and letting out the clutch slowly and getting the RPM up and then slowing down and starting over. Did that several times. He said, now I'm going to teach you something else. There's a second gear. And then we went to the second gear. And after I mastered the first and second gear sequence, then he said, now I'm going to teach you there's a third gear, then a fourth gear, then a fifth gear. And I thought, wow, I, I learned five gears. He said, now I'm going to teach you what the two-speed rear end is doing. And so I learned how to drive a stick shift by really learning on a much more complex, much more challenging, much more difficult type of equipment than my brother's Austin Healy Sprite, but I had a real teacher, a great teacher. So that's the long-winded answer to my question. Most of us in America, you know, you promote a salesperson and he becomes a sales manager, but he's really a salesperson, not a manager. And so he doesn't know, he didn't have any formal training in how to teach and train. And so he just, this is how you do it. This is what you do. You get it, you understand. That's how I think in most companies, in most industries, that's how training occurs in our country. Okay, Ed, so what do you think is the best method for training employees? I mean, what, do you, what did you use at Peachtree? And how did you learn the method? Well, you first of all, the key, well, I learned, you know, through the school of hard knocks. I, I just like, wanted to hear I you say it. my brother, Joel. I just, just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> yeah, Joel Katz. Yeah, my brother. Yeah, he, that's how I learned. And then I learned from a professional truck driver the, the correct method. Anyhow. I think the best method is the teacher trainer needs to take a patient, patience, patience pill, whatever that is. In other words, chill out. You should not have any kind of a deadline that you've got to learn this in the next five minutes or 20 minutes or an hour, whatever. And the first thing you should do is tell your student what you're going to teach. What are you going to do? I'm going to teach you that this is, a transmission, it's a stick shift, or this is a combination locker. I'm going to teach you how to set it. Let's go back to the locker example. I'm going to teach you how to set it. And then validate the communication. In other words, make sure you've captured your student mentally and physically. Then say, validate it. Now, what am I going to teach you? Oh, uh, Mr. Katz, you're going to teach me how to set the combination for the locker for our, our members here. I said, Right. Okay. Then give them the WIIFM factor. Give them the WIIFM factor. Now, Ed, I know what the WIIFM factor is, but people are listening to this going, all right, what in the world is he talking about now? So you're going to have to kind of explain that a little bit. I think it's one of the most important motivators to get people to do the right thing. In other words, W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? In other words, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their perspective. What's in it for me? Not for me at Katz. What's in it for me, the student? And so if I were teaching the newbie, the new employee at my uh, exercise facility, how to set the combination lock, I would say, look, you're going to be up on this floor by yourself. You're going to have new members to attend 
come here to the facility and they're going to come up to you and ask you, how do you set this combination? You're going to need to know this because you're going to have to be able to teach them how to set the combination. And then when they leave, before they leave, how they can access and open that, unlock it so they can leave. And then you're going to also have to help them when they, they forgot their combination or which locker they used or something. And you're going to have to know how to insert the key and not just insert the key, but how to reset the combination. And you are going to be on this floor at times, especially on the weekend by yourself. You're going to have anybody that, who can show you. So do you see why you're going to want to learn this? Yes, Mr. Katz. Now I get it. I really do want to master this. Okay. That's my answer there. <laughs> that, that, that makes perfect sense. The, the other thing I would kind of, that you make me think about when we talk about training employees is, you know, from the perspective of the company, it's an investment. There's a cost associated with training employees. And if you don't do it right and you have to continue to let go and hire and you have this turnover that continues to happen, I mean, you're just burning dollars that you shouldn't be burning. Um, so to me, it's very, very important that training should be high on the list when we have new team members come on board. So Ed, you've told me in the past that you've tried training, uh, you've tied training to interviewing, you know, and, uh, a prospective employee for the job, right? I mean, when you have a, a potential new hire, you go through the interview process and in that process, you kind of tie in a little bit of training. I don't remember exactly how you told me you did that, but could you shed some light on that? I remember that conversation. Yeah. Well, again, school of hard knocks. So when I didn't know that I didn't know, and I would tell like a, a candidate that we were going to hire for the sales job, I made it sound like it was so much fun. It was such a glamorous job and they were going to love, they were going to love it. And they interviewed well and we hired them and we spent three, four, five months teaching and training them how to be an office moving salesperson. And one day that candidate, not candidate, that employee walks into my office and says, Mr. Katz, I'm sorry, but there's not a fit here. I'm miserable. I don't like this job at all. I'm leaving. I'm quitting. I can't stand it. And I'm thinking, oh, no, we have to start from scratch. We have to advertise. We have to interview. We have to, once we hire somebody, teach and train. And so, again, I really blamed myself because it was tied to the interview process. But what I learned with teaching, training, interviewing. There's a there's a marriage there. There's they, they complement each other. What we did after that terrible experience was this. When I interviewed a candidate for any job, I mean any job, I negative sold it. So I would say to the salesperson, you're gonna be rejected. You're gonna be, be rejected a lot. And I didn't say, how do you handle rejection? but I would maybe role play a little bit with them. Like, what would you say if a customer said you're too expensive and you know, and things like that, or we hired somebody else that's $50 cheaper than you. I just, I wanted to see how they react if they were stressed out or were they calm rolling with the punches. And then once we found a candidate that we thought we might hire, I mandated that that candidate 
would invest two or three days of his or her time and shadow not one of our other salespeople, but shadow me. And let me tell you what I did. <laughs> you talk about negative selling. We start at quarter to eight in the morning and I would do like three or four estimates in one day. And I would grab my lunch on the run and almost like be eating in my car between estimates. And I purposely lost my car in the six story parking garage at the terraces in a suburb of Atlanta, because the, I mean, this, this is the real world, right? I couldn't find my car, but I knew where it was, but I let my prospective new employee see what we go through. And I was like rushing. I didn't walk. I walked at a, you know, I darted, you know, that's how I operated all day for two or three days. And at the end of that period, you were tired. I had, pardon? You were tired. I was tired. But the <laughs> other kidding. thing was this. I actually had two or three prospective employees say, I can tell you right now, this is not for me. Because I didn't get back at five o'clock. We got back at quarter to six and we were stuck in rush hour traffic. And we, you know, it was grueling. But I wanted them to see not how it really was every day, but how it could be on an irregular basis but consistent basis and then we finally found one that didn't bother them that they were just really motivated they wanted they love sales they wanted to work hard to be successful but wasn't that a great exposure as to just hiring them and throwing them out and say you know you know they they hung in there like the other candidate that quit after six months of training well i think it's a, that, gr a great strategy i i'd never yeah. thought of that ed that, you know, you spent a little of your time, which, you know, always equates to dollars on the front end, but that amount is much smaller in kind of weeding out potential candidates for a position than, like you said, the six months of investment that you put into somebody and then have to start from scratch when they finally figure out it ain't for them. I, I love that strategy. I, I've never done it, but it's something I definitely need to start doing in the future. I believe in my heart that most most people who interview candidates in any industry paint a rosy picture and they're selling their company to the prospective employee. And I tell you, that can come back and bite you because, you know, you make the anticipation so high, so great that when they join the ranks and go through the training and become a bona fide employee, the realization just can't ever match the anticipation. And then they're let down and disappointed. Can I digress for a moment? I, this is something that, again, school of hard knocks. I, is it okay if I do or do we Abs need to? No, no, no. You go right ahead. This has directly to do with training. But how about we had ongoing training at our moving company. We trained new hires every week. That's how many new hires we were training all the time. It might be two or three, but every once in a while for if we had a big weekend coming up, we might have five or eight or 10, you know, new, new hires. If any of you have ever tried to train a group of new employees, it's not easy because what happens is you may have one or two, what are they, comedians, negative leaders, jokesters that might have little side jokes, you know, that they mumble under their breaths and everybody's laughing or snickering or, you know, 
somebody, I'll give you a real, I'm, listen, I'm a former owner of a moving company. I'm going to be gross. Let's say somebody passes gas in your audience and they all laugh, right? And th that that's disruptive, right? Well, here I am. I'm an inventor of a device called the spider crane. And part of the investment in the spider crane, which was a device for moving lateral file cabinets full safely, was when they when my client, which would be a moving company, bought the spider crane included in the purchase was my training all their employees how to use the spider crane. And so here I fly to my client's place of business and I'm putting I'm put in a room with I'm not kidding you 15 20 movers that are being paid by their employer to sit in a room so I can teach and train them how to use the spider crane which is a very dangerous and very complex difficult piece of equipment to use but the customers loved it because we can move their contents in all the drawers instead of having to empty the contents and pack up everything and mix up the files before and after the move. So that was the benefit to the customer. So here I am and the owner of the company or the general manager, he's not or she's not sitting in on the training. So here I am with their employees. You know who I'm like? I'm like a substitute teacher. So they're all talking and laughing as I have one employee come up and I'm going to demonstrate with the one employee you know how to operate the spider crane which has several steps to it to, in order to work and my audience is talking and laughing and just being just just so disruptive so i became mr knock it off you know why i kept yelling hey guys come on knock it off hey guys knock it off so now i get a nickname from this peanut gallery i'm mr knock it off and they're laughing and they're hooting and howling and they're making fun of me and nobody from management is there. I don't know why. It's just the way it was. <laughs> and I'm trying to teach this one individual and show the whole group the training, but no one's paying attention. And if that's ever happened to any of you, I found the most wonderful way to train students in a group that's where they're disruptive. Oh, you're going to love it. I can't wait to share it with you. So one day I did this experiment. I did what I always did. I had one employee that I picked on come up and I was showing him how to use the spider crane. And again, my audience is hooting and howling and cracking jokes and burping and doing the other, you know, and they're laughing and guess what I'm doing? I'm not telling them to knock it off. I'm letting them. And, and, and it's like almost a, a roar of laughter. I feel like a substitute teacher, you know, in, in school where they had no respect <laughs> you know, for that poor teacher. And I'm letting them just act terrible. And then I did something that you could hear a pin drop. I, after I taught and trained this employee of theirs, how to use the spider crane. I said to him, now you pick somebody to come up and you teach and train that person. Well, all of a sudden you could have heard a pin drop because everybody's looking which way? Down at the floor. Nobody wants to be called on. Why? Because no one has paid attention and no one's going to know what to do. And no one, no one wants to look stupid in front of the group. So he walks up to somebody, uh, Bob, you come up here. 
Look, come on up, Bob. So Bob gets up and he makes a complete fool out of himself because he did not pay attention. And guess what? All of a sudden, everybody gets it. They're all going to get a turn being the student and then the teacher of the spider crane. So when Bob finally makes a complete idiot out of himself, he then goes up to, hey, Jimmy, you come up here. I didn't have to do any work. I'm sitting on the sidelines. Only if they made a mistake or something that I step in to say, no, do it this way instead of that way. But meanwhile, all the hooting and howling, all the negative leadership that was in that group, all the cat calls, all the making fun of Mr. Katz, it all went away and it made it so easy for me. And I sold, believe it or not, I sold about 50 spider cranes, which means I went to like 50 different companies over a, I guess, I don't know, 20 year period on how to use and operate the spider crane safely. And finally, I would say the last 10 years of my doing that, it was a breeze. It worked every time. How do you feel that, about that approach to training a group of employees, especially movers? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I think that's a great idea. Um, and to your point, it's, it's a way to keep everybody on their toes and involved and paying attention because inevitably their turn is coming. Everybody's going to go through the training. So yeah, great way to do it. Great way to do it. I didn't like it though, before, before I discovered that technique, because I didn't like being called Mr. Knock it off. And I didn't like everybody laughing at me. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great way to end the show, Ed. I think that's great advice for uh, people, not, not only in the moving industry, but I think specifically to the moving industry, it works well. But I think training, training people in a group in, in general, that's a great, great technique to use is to train one person, then have him train the next person and, and then the next gal and so on and so forth. What a, what a great strategy. We recommend that in our online IOMI training. You know, my, my International Office Moving Institute. Wait, what, what, is that, what is that? Is, what is, yeah, what right. Is, what is that? Is there a, my, my is there a website? What, what does it do? What, what's going yeah. on? Tell people. This is a commercial. If you want to turn off your, your sound, this is a commercial disguise. Disguise as those. I have my International Office Moving Institute online office moving training. That's affordable to everybody because it's so inexpensive. That aside, what I encourage my clients to do is on a big screen TV with all your movers, put them in a conference room or a break room or a training room and show the video, show a three or four or five minute video module. And then where the questions and answers pop up and there's a question, if you're the facilitator teaching all these movers at the same time, randomly call on one of the employees in the group and say, what is the best answer out of these four choices and why did you pick that one? And initially they may not be paying attention, but when they know that as you proceed through the modules for their, their job track for movers, you know, which it's like an hour and a half of training and then questions and answers as you go along, when they know that after each module, you're going to stop and randomly call on one of them. Believe me when I tell you, they're going to pay attention. They're going to have to, because nobody wants to look stupid. And what we did in the modules in the training, these are softball type questions that we throw out with the online training, but there are four good answers, but there's only one that's correct. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
And see, we want to capture them mentally and physically. And they and if they pay attention, they'll get the correct answer. But if they don't, they're going to pick the wrong one and they're going to look foolish. So that's how we, again, randomly call on somebody. And, and, just, and just to be clear, it wasn't your intent to make them look foolish. It was no. your intent to make sure they paid attention because the answer right. wasn't that difficult if you pay attention. Right. Exactly right. And they get it right after the first time somebody's called upon. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. I love training. I'm glad I'm in sales and I don't like to have to be the teacher trainer. Well, yeah, I kind of do. I guess I'd like to be a support person, but I think this is so much easier if we don't take shortcuts on the training process, validate the communication, give them a WIIFM, teach them one step at a time, not overwhelm them with all the steps for setting a combination lock do one step at a time and not just, all of them and you would agree that w i i f m always applies it does and everything There's you never, ever want to teach yeah. and train someone yep i agree okay well great conversation ed i think this might be a topic that you know it may evolve we may come up with some other ideas and, and maybe have another podcast on this because i think you can kind of go a lot of different ways on this topic on training employees well, Rob, I thank you for always letting me be your co-host. You're doing a great job. You're wonderful. You're perfect. Thank you for Man, everything. And do you need something from me? What's going on? <laughs> Can I borrow $100? <laughs> Something's going on. I've never seen that side of Mr. Katz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move. <laughs>